Hi, welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and a podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work and discuss writing-related topics. I'm DC McNaughton, speculative and right now historical fiction writer. Um, I'm working on a first full real draft instead of like a half draft zero. So I'm on draft one, I guess, even though it's a second draft. It, it, it is a it is my historical fiction. It's got some spooky mm-hmm. in it. That's what I'm um what i'm reading is well after i read seven non-fiction books last week i'm so proud of me that's so many books yeah and then like four more like the week before i am now just reading a fiction uh between two fires by christopher boilman <laughs> i don't know how you say this matt let me borrow this nice red fancy edition of the cover it's it's uh it's very interesting i'm i'm reading it because it kind of takes place in like the medieval era and like i'm trying to get a feel for like even though i'm writing a book in the 1600s i'm trying to like get a feel about like what people worried about and did during the years when we did not have technology so i'm just sort of like kind of encompassing myself in all kinds of strange centuries at this moment <laughs> everything pre-industrial yeah yeah it's it's good it's 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 been a fun read so far it's probably the first thing i've ever read like this it's like medieval but it's also got some like crazy monster shit in it i've never read anything like it so <laughs> yeah i may have to check that out <laughs> I'm Amy Avery, and I write adult fantasy. I also self-publish fantasy romance under the pen name Avery Ames. Uh, What I am working on is not much. I'm dealing with some motivation (laughs) issues. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll figure that out by next time. got an episode on that. You should go listen to it. Yeah, I should. (laughs) It does also tie into what I'm reading is because right now I am doing some beta reading. So that's kind of taking up righty brain a little bit. But I had a couple beta reads come in at the same time. So I'm like, oh, I get to read other people's stuff. Uh-huh. So it's very nice. Um, yeah. So today we're going to talk about how to hook your reader both in your opening line lines and your opening pages. And this is our usual reminder that writing is not all about rules. When we are writing, sometimes we need to break them as well. We're both firm believers that if the rules feel too suffocating or overwhelming, ignore them and just write. Yes. Yes. And so we always have a paired drink. And this time I had, there's kind of a little bit of a walk for this drink. But since we're talking about hooking your reader and like luring them in, I had the idea of doing like Hansel and Gretel, like the gingerbread house. So even though it's way the wrong season, I did a gingerbread cocktail. But it's got, it's got a little graham cracker rim and it is um, gold rum, Bailey's, a spicy ginger syrup and a cinnamon syrup. So it is very much a dessert cocktail. It's very much a sweet, but... It's very like Bailey's E. Looks amazing. I'm making one this weekend. Can't have one right now, but I'm making one this weekend. It Soon. looks amazing. I love Bailey's. I actually don't really love Bailey's, but I can make myself love Bailey's with the right combination of stuff. And this is since it's got the the ginger syrup I use is by a Lieber and Company or Liber and Company, and it's a very spicy. It's like a very hot ginger, and that kind of helps balance some of that sweet creaminess for me. That's my cocktail nerdiness for today. I, it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So into the topic, I'm going to kind of lead into this by saying we did post an episode earlier this week, one of our mini episodes on Monday, that was about titles and creating the title of your book. And we mentioned in that episode that there's like this metaphor of putting like the Skittle on the floor and somebody picks up the Skittle and then you put the next Skittle. (laughs) And so you're leading and how your title, your title and probably your cover art are your first two Skittles there. And then maybe your back cover copy. Some people are going to read it. Some people are going to open it and just read the first page. So that's your next part of the the trail of Skittles. So that's where we're following now. Yes. So you're... And... Go ahead. Go for you go for I don't it. know what I was going to say. Lead today. So, okay. Oh, good. We we are really, really <laughs> starting off here really strong. Um... <laughs> Uh, it's one of those tired days, y'all. Just deal with this. Uh, <laughs> you have on opening lines. Let's talk about opening lines. Well, they're important because it's the first fucking thing that you read. And my God, if they're not very good, someone might not keep reading. <laughs> yeah, if, if your opening line is great, they're definitely going to keep reading. 
If your opening line is terrible, they might stop reading. If your opening line is okay, then usually you'll get some buy-in. So you've got some more pages, but really just make your opening line. Yeah, it's that easy. Make it good. <laughs> just make it good. Make it good, right? guys. That's End of podcast. Easy. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do actually have some notes here. So we can be, we don't have to be completely like we can be tired and still refer to the notes. Um, so the yes. first thing I have is there are different ways to hook your reader. There are different types of hooks, ways to like dig that little hook in. Um, and so the list that I have here is intrigue or surprise. So that's the like, the fuck is going on here? Yes. Or the like you introduce a mystery at the beginning. Um, we've got some examples I'm going to go through here in a little bit. So we'll kind of show you more detail about how to do this. But that's the one where you give them a question that they want answered and you're not going to immediately answer it because <laughs> that will keep them reading. <laughs> um, the other one is tension, which is usually more of a something looming or ominous. And it's this feeling of like a, a foot that's about to drop, like the other foot about to drop or like, you know, something bad is about to happen. That mm -hmm. happens a lot in horror, sometimes thriller, suspense, um, sometimes fantasy and other genres too. Not often in like category romance. <laughs> But it probably has happened. I'm sure somebody's done it. I guess it could be a small looming, like a you're about to go into like a meeting you're not prepared for or something like that. Um, less, you know, yeah. imminent death danger, but there's still like something bad about to happen. And so the reader will want to read it through it and be like, how do they get through the bad thing? Do they make it? Um, there's also a character connection, which is a little more subtle, but it's like a the character doing something they love or something that makes you immediately go, I'm rooting for this person. That one can be a little harder because it's it's hard to do in like the opening line to have somebody be like, I love this person. <laughs> it is. I have tried. It's really hard. And and I have, once you get through the next, uh, the, the, the next thing on our list, I, I want to talk about why mm -hmm. it's hard because, yeah, I just discovered actually why this is hard. Yeah, yeah we can kind of break these down here in a second a little bit more. For sure. And then the fourth one is much simpler. It's much more straightforward. It's humor. Make them laugh first thing off, which it's hard. It's not easy to do, mm -hmm. but it's it's not complex in it's in theory. Uh, it's complex in execution. Um, but yeah, if you can make them laugh, they'll be like, okay, I'm in this. I'm in here for a good time. Um, so yeah, I, I do think I I do think the character connection is the hardest one. It is. And, you know, I just I just kind of had um, this happen with the book that I'm working on now. I had this really great first page set up where the character is like building a um, a dog sled. And you kind of got like a really intense look at his life, like right off the bat. It was really nice. I did like it. It was it was you know, he was in the, the sled. And you're like, oh, why is he building a sled? You were already asking questions. But I ended up feeling like because it's a historical um, fiction, when I sort of read it again after reading a lot of other historical fictions over the last two weeks, um, I realized it just didn't put me in the setting as much as I wanted it mm. to. And that and that caused a rift um, because there was something about like opening up the other um, fictions that I had and like sort of being immediately thrown mm -hmm. right into the, the, um, the setting of the 16th century and just sort of having something happen from that sense that, that would only happen in that century um, that we can't imagine happening now. And it did so much more than just the character connection. So I think that like the character connection is really hard because you have to have the right kind of space to do it in. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't have that space, it it does work, but it might not be your best option because the thing is, as a reader, um, you know, you know, a guy building a dog sled is one thing, but like yeeting them into a different century in your first paragraph, as well as setting up what I ended up doing was intrigue or surprise. Um, was a much bigger, at least I feel like it's a much bigger pool. We'll see what the people say when they look <laughs> at it, you know, you know, cause there was a lot of people who did like my previous first page, but like, I really thought that was, that was the first time that had happened to me where I was just like, Oh wow. The character connection really isn't working here. Cause my setting isn't mm -hmm. there. Um, so if you're writing a book that needs, you know, setting wise, like a fantasy or a historical fiction, something like that, I would say try different, something different first because like i feel like char 
character connection, that's that's maybe good in a romance, mm-hmm. I feel like. You know, like yeah. when you're like, okay, I'm about to jump into this book and read about this person's sex life and it's going to be awesome. That's the kind of thing you want in a, in a first chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I I kind of had some gears turning here while you were talking, which was the, there are books that start with setting. Um, and I was trying to figure out if they fit into one of these categories or if that is a fifth category that I did not think of. Is that a little bit of intrigue? But it's also, I think there's a way to like sink people into a sense of space. Um, mm-hmm. Because there are several books that I can think of off the top of my head, particularly classics. A lot of classics would start with setting. Um, I was trying to think of a more recent one off the top of my head and I couldn't, but I'm sure I know they exist. Um, so, yeah, I think that may be kind of a fifth one is to give them like a place mm-hmm. to like sit in. Yeah, um, like because for me, um, I know I, I fucking hate using Brandon Sanderson all the time, but I'm obsessed with Mistborn. Um, and I and actually I I've recently been talking to my partner about it. So it's like in my head that the first book that takes place in Mistborn, they they hooked me. He hooked me with setting in that. Like, mm-hmm. um, because I mean, you turn into that first page and the first line is Ash fell from the sky, and you're like, wait a minute what and like you start learning about this sort of like uh luthadel which is like sort of just like it it's just a, it it intrigued me because i've never read anything like this setting in a book before so if you've got a setting that's just out of this world unique you may want to consider hooking with it because mm-hmm. it's it, it, it works it absolutely does and that's why I think it may be kind of a subset of the intrigue because it is, mm-hmm. especially if you're said there's something unusual about your setting or just interesting about your setting. It's, it's giving them the, well, what is it about this place? But I think it's kind of like a, a branch. <laughs> I agree. No, absolutely. I agree. So I think we're going to probably, if you're okay with it, go into some examples because we can kind of break these down a little bit and kind of show what's effective about them. Um, I'll probably read them since I'm more familiar with them and then we can kind of break them down. Is that good? Sure. Okay. Shadow had done three years in prison. He was big enough and looked don't fuck with me enough that his biggest problem was killing time. And that's from Neil Gaiman, American Gods. Love this line. What I like about this line is it's, first of all, it drops an F-bomb right off the bat. (laughs) <laughs> so you know what type of voice you're in for. You know you're in for a book that's a little grittier, that's a little darker. And it, it this is an intrigue one. You're like, well, what's he in prison for? So that's kind of where you're like, okay, I want to know what he's in jail for. And especially if it says his biggest problem was killing time, it kind of shows that he's probably not a very, like, aggressive person. It's like he just doesn't yeah. want any trouble. And because he's yeah. big, it doesn't come looking for him. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and and that says a lot about Shadow in general. As you read the book, you mm-hmm. do find that he's rather nice. But yeah, I, I I like this too because you know, again, you've got setting in here. Um, he's in prison. Uh, you've got a piece of his personality. You've got his current problem. That 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 is just like that's a lot all in one paragraph, and that's gonna get okay the reader's in like you're not just being like oh you know the alarm clock went off and so and so got out of bed you are you're saying there's a thing happening here there's a problem already and you've got a piece of his personality and that is how you start a great book always and two other quick notes one is that we have voice which we haven't really talked about yet and Mm -hmm. that is what that ephemeral voiciness (laughs) that's the thing that you can't categorize but you know it when you see it so we've definitely got a voice for this. You had mentioned, you kind of touched on this. We kind of know what he wants. Yes. He just. He's bored. He's bored. He wants to, he, you know, he's, he's trying to kill time. So you kind of have, it's a minor goal. It's not like the whole goal of the book, but you have like something he wants or needs immediately. Two sentences. Yep. Which is exactly what they all want, right? That's what we're all told. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, At least that's what we're told. I'm starting to think the publishers know something that we don't though. Damn it. Tell us your secrets. Tell us. Okay. Uh, next one is I have a meanness inside of me. Real is an organ. Slip me at my belly and it might slide out, meaty and dark, drop on the floor so you could stomp on it. It's the day blood. Something's wrong with it. I was never a good little girl and I got worse after the murders. <laughs> and that's Gillian Flynn from Dark Places. So this is an adult thriller. 
and immediately this is this is definitely intrigue suspense kind of also the dread the something ominous because it's it's like murders and you're like okay who got murdered yeah did you do the murder or were you around the murder <laughs> yep and it's it and it's dark enough and it's bloody enough even that mm-hmm. somebody who is into this kind of book is going to pick it up and be immediately like yep this this is what i want this is exactly what i'm looking for i'm walking out of barnes and noble now with it in my hand <laughs> like and it because you know it's 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 right up front like this is yes. what the book is about this is how, this is what you're going to be in for this is the the girl you're going to spend time with like and that's that's how you do it it's, yeah, it's like this is yeah. dark this is visceral and yeah it's this one is just it's just a great hook because immediately you're like, I have to know more about this, like, ostensibly, like, mean, horrible person who may or may not be a reliable narrator. I don't know. I haven't actually read this. Full well, book. she's a murderer. So, so, I mean. Well, here's the question. It says after the murders, did she do the murder or was it like her parents were murdered or something? I don't know. Oh, that I mean, she does say she's mean, though. Yeah. So. But see, we're already asking questions, yeah. and this is just one paragraph. And I'm like, how did she go from a good little girl to there being murders in her, or never a good little girl, and then there's suddenly murders after? Okay, what's happening here? And yeah. that's like already, I'm like, what is the second paragraph? Like, what? Ha- <laughs> like, what did she reveal? Like, you know? And also, voice. There's voice in here. It's much, much different than than the other one Mm -hmm. you know i think that's something that's in all of these that we're going to see is they each have a very distinctive voice and that's definitely like i said it's the the je ne sais quoi also there's a great question here is day blood what the fuck is day blood and why is day capitalized what yeah what the fuck is that my guess is it's a name like it's like their last name or something and maybe their whole family uh-huh suffers from this but i don't know what's wrong with the days then we just don't know but yeah, there's see we we we've got let's see one two three four five sentences here, so it's a little bit longer, but they're shorter sentences. Some of them, um, five sentences, and we have asked like fifteen questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what you want. You want your readers to, and you don't want the questions to be like, I don't know what's going on. You don't want them to be confused, but you want them to want to know more. Yep. Um. So the next one is this is from a. It is a fantasy, but it's kind of a gothic fantasy, a gothic fairy tale fantasy. Once upon a time, Indigo Maxwell Castaneda found me. I had been lost a long time and had grown comfortable in the dark. I didn't imagine anyone could lure me from it. But Indigo was one of those creatures that can hunt by scent alone, and the reek of my desperate wanting must have left a tantalizing fluorescent trail. And that's from Roshni Chokshi, The Last Tale of the Flower Bride, which came up pretty recently. And it's definitely very gothic, definitely very fairy tale. And so you get both of those here. This is like telling you once upon a time, we're going to start with the fairy tale classic four words, but then we're going to go dark. (laughs) Yeah. This thing is hunting. He's looking for me. And this is the something looming because now you've got the sense of threat that he is a threat. He is a predator and that he is coming for this narrator. Yes. And just as well, the um, and the reek of my desperate wanting must have left a tantalizing fluorescent trail. That immediately tells you that the character has a goal or something that they desire or they want. Because mm-hmm. what what reek of desperate wanting? What are you wanting for that's so bad that something can sniff it on you? Like what is it? You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of once again questions. Yeah, there's a lot of questions here because you, I like this is the kind of stuff you want to do. You want to drip in things that your reader can pick up on like in the back of like because when someone reads this they're not going to sit there and like analyze it but all these words are going to sit at the back of their head you know Mm -hmm. waiting they're not really processing why they like it they just know that they like it but you as a writer have to be like well i know why you like it this is why so i'm going to give you all the pieces and this is what this is doing this Mm -hmm. is there's a lot laid in here who is indigo maxwell Mm -hmm. castaneda what desperate wanting could be so smelly (laughs) you know there's (laughs) you know it's and uh let's see how long had they been in the dark where are like what darkness are they in a jail Mm -hmm. cell like is it like what is this you know and you got setting they they, see these all have a bit of setting it's really interesting to me that they Mm -hmm. all have that because that's what i was missing like god there's setting missing here and I didn't even realize that until recently, like how much setting 
like grounds a reader mm-hmm. in it. And I'm just I, I'm having a an epiphany right now. I'm like, wow. <laughs> live on air epiphany do my other books include setting like wow what am i looking at like what am i what have i come upon today um i will say i realized when right like just literally i also just had an epiphany i'm like oh because i don't remember which no i do okay uh cambiare starts with setting the opening line for that is the moons were bickering tonight it talks about the two moons in the sky so you know it's not our Mm -hmm. earth the opening line of autumn is the souls of the dead burn in the night sky because she's looking at like the dead souls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, so I do start with setting, but then mm-hmm. I am like the first line is setting. And the second line is the character in the setting. So I'm like, Oh yeah, you do kind of want like a place for the reader to, yeah. to start to anchor themselves. Guess it's that grounding technique. Please no white room syndrome that we're always talking about. And it's just like very, <laughs> like very artfully put together in the first paragraph so if you're having trouble with your first paragraph right now and you don't know why maybe you should double check to see if you've got your setting in there anywhere because <laughs> i'm starting to think there's something here <laughs> okay we have three more but two of them are pretty short so okay the next one is from a young adult like mystery thriller a sex tape a pregnancy scare two cheating scandals and that's just this week's update if all you knew of Bayview High was Simon Kelleher's gossip app, you'd wonder how anyone found time to go to class. There's your setting. We're in high school. Setting. We're in high school. Tone. We know it's going to be kind of like, a, I want to say like a grittier YA. We're talking about sex tapes, mm. pregnancy scares, cheating. Drama. This is not going to be like a light and fluffy. This is very dramatic. This yes. is very pretty little liars, gossipy kind of book, which it is. It's a it's a murder mystery um, from multiple POVs and you don't know who did it yep so and the voices there in those short concise sentences Mm -hmm. it's very contemporary very snarky uh you know this is gonna be blunt yes it's gonna be blunt and it feels snarky because it's so blunt you know like that Mm -hmm. whole it's it's very there's a melody to Mm -hmm. it and it and it screams snarky (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah there's like a sarcasm in the like you wonder how anyone would find time to go to class so you kind of know like again voice you know i didn't realize we were going to be talking about voice so much until i'm looking at these like side by side and i'm like oh yeah each one has like the tone Mm -hmm. which means the next one's going to be really interesting because this is a very different tone this is a another fantasy novel um this one says before you arrive you remember your lola smoking you remember the smell of her dried tobacco like hay after a storm the soft crinkle of the rolling paper the zip of the matchstick which she'd sometimes strike against the lizard rough skin of her leg to impress you. You remember the ritual of it. I liked this one because it's in second person and I wanted to play with that a little bit. Yeah, interesting. This is second person. I'm like, whoa, what is this? That's how it's building intrigue is it's giving you a setting. It's giving you a a pretty commonplace scene. Um, It's, you know, just the characters Lola uh, smoking and striking the match. And it's a very like, mundane thing other than the fact that she's striking it against her leg (laughs) yeah but the voice of it and the fact that it's in second person is where it's creating the intrigue it's like is this someone telling a story to someone else is this kind of like a weird thing where you're supposed to be like the the protagonist is like a a shapeless formless you How, how is this story being structured and this is causing you to question like literally the whole structure of the story it's really really interesting okay yes this okay hold on i have a thing i'm gonna i'm gonna do the thing where i jump off the deep end here it's really interesting to me that that is the first kind of stuff that you pick out from this paragraph and i think (laughs) that that is the exact reason why second person is so fucking difficult because it's like Mm -hmm. no matter what you write on that fucking page no matter what questions you set out, no matter what, like, you know, history you put right there in the first, because there's a lot of it in this first paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of history here. There's a lot of, you know, there's something that is in your memory. No matter that, all you're thinking about is all of the logistics of what the fuck is about to happen to you when you read this book, because... They're talking about you and what am I and who am I and where am I going, which for me is the it's literally every second person book that I open. It's always like, who am I? Where am I going? What am I doing here? Why do I 
why and am i a human like it's it's very Mm -hmm. difficult um yeah this person does do a good job but Mm -hmm. i just needed to point out yeah. It was very interesting to me that those are the things that you mm-hmm. pointed out first, because that is literally every second person novel. I don't know if I actually said this is Simon Jimenez, the spear cuts through water. Um, so I'm going to add that here real yeah. quick for the podcast later, yeah. uh, the audio version. I will say I did just buy this book. My partner has read it. I have not read it yet. So I actually don't know how long the second person lasts or if it's like interludes or I don't believe the whole book is second person. Yeah, you, a lot of times they're not. Mm-hmm. But I will say, you know, aside from those things, there is there is stuff here that is hooky. Like, like there's some like like you you know a person and you've arrived somewhere. I think that the fact that you have arrived somewhere is is something that you could you know you could do that in a first person or a third mm-hmm. person. You know, like so and so arrived. Okay, mm-hmm. where are we arriving? We're we're getting there, and and I think that in and of itself can be hooky if you do it the right way. Um, so and, and I think by the way this is written, it's like this person's arriving somewhere that they might have arrived before. Mm-hmm. The I didn't put it in here uh, because I didn't format it that way. But the way the book is formatted, the before you arrive is like almost like a subhead or like a little header. Mm. And then the next part is it's like before you arrive, comma, and then there's a break and then it's in like a different font. And then underneath it is that you remember your Lola smoking. So it's almost like it's a title, but it's also not because of the comma and the not capitalized letter. So it's kind of a formatting thing, too, which visually between that, the second person and the way this voice is, it's immediately like this is going to be a real literary speculative fiction. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, that. The, the formatting is definitely important to that too because mm-hmm. I think that in and of itself can be part of your hook because is this like a letter is this like a you know like you're asking your yourself quick questions is this a letter like who is it from it it is interesting to me that this one does lack the uh the goal mm-hmm. that they, that the other ones had mm-hmm. I imagine it's probably in the next paragraph mm-hmm. so I would be curious to pick this up and like look at it i think this is probably one of the better more intriguing second uh persons i've seen mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like i'm on the outside looking in it feels more like i'm in it so mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's the sensory details i think it's mm-hmm. really giving you like you're it's making you sink into that space and yeah the second person second person can be very tricky but when I was looking through my books for opening lines, I was like, this one's really interesting. So I wanted to put it in here. Yeah, it's good. I, th- I think it's really cool that you put a second person in here. And then the last one is going to be very obvious. It is the humor. And when I was thinking opening lines with humor, one of them immediately sprang to mind. And it was one I could almost recite from memory. And that is Douglas Adams. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. And that's from the restaurant at the end of the universe, which is in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. And it's just immediately like, okay, this is funny. This is silly. This is kind of like dry humor. Mm -hmm. And if you're in for that type of humor, this is just setting you up for that for the whole book, which Douglas Adams does deliver. (laughs) Douglas Adams does a really good job at making things hilariously pessimistic. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes that pessimism, like it keeps you reading his books, like it, the pessimism in and of itself is almost a hook because it's, yeah, I, I, there's no other real way to describe it except for he's taking, you know, he's giving you in the beginning, which is a religious reference, um, mm-hmm. and then sort of turning it on its head, which is exciting. That's a hook because you've heard the in the beginning shit a million times. Most people mm-hmm. have at least. And and now someone is finally taking it and is like, yes, I'm going to tell you the same words that you've heard a million times, but I'm going to I'm going to flip them like and, mm-hmm. and make it, you know, and, and that in and of itself is a hook because you're telling the reader, I know something about in the beginning that that you don't. <laughs> and also you're going to find it really funny. So here we go. <laughs> um and hell yeah, if anybody starts a story that way, you're you're listening. You're listening to that person. Mm-hmm. We're kind of at the halfway point, so that's probably a good time for us to start talking about opening pages. Because that's where you're going to kind of like take this and expand it out, where you still want to keep leaving Skittles. 
and you still want to keep leaving questions. But during the opening pages, there is a very delicate balance between continuing some of these questions or leapfrogging questions and answering questions. Because if you just add pile on question after intrigue, after intrigue, after intrigue for the first three pages, 10 pages, however many, the reader's going to hit a point where they're like, I'm confused and <laughs> I quit. So how do you usually balance like delivering information, but creating questions in these opening pages? Boy, what a great question, Avery. <laughs> You're like, wow, that is... I'm literally on page three of my novel right now doing just this. And it's uh, it's difficult. And why is it difficult? Because there is so much um, that so many boxes you need to check. So like for me, it's like, okay, the opening paragraph's great. Now, how do I move the opening paragraph to the first thing that I need to happen without the reader being like, okay, this isn't for me setting it down and being done with it. I think for me, it is, and and I'm going to say this really dumb, I probably because I'm having a weird day, but like it, it is about sinking the reader so far into your setting and your story that they don't even know that they're in it yet. Because that's when you start turning pages because suddenly you'll realize, oh my God, like I am four pages in and I know this character so well, but also I know exactly what they're doing. I know where they're going. I know what's pissing them off. I know like what their goals are like. And and yeah, it's true. Getting all that stuff in is really, really hard. And um, and so right now I'm in the middle of what I do is I sort of I skip paragraphs and like just write thoughts as they come to me about like what's going on in this character's head. Where are they going next? And I'll and I'll sort of have it all there and then I'll sort of connect the dots. It it like literally the way that I write my first chapters in a in a serious draft is is very connect the dotties because I, I know that there are mm-hmm. paragraphs that are gonna happen. And how can I tie one to the other without like as a bridge without losing a reader and, and also involving a lot of information. A lot of information that's do- you know, everybody talks about, oh, yeah, when you write a, a sentence, you know, make sure that the sentence is doing more than one thing. But uh, when you're writing a first chapter, you almost have to make sure those sentences are doing five things. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's really overwhelming. Um, and that's why I kind of write it all down first, because then you can take the stuff and be like, OK, actually, I can put all of this in one sentence. I can take this detail about where they're at, this detail about him being hungry. Uh, so like. Like, uh, just as an example, I, you know, I'm trying to get across the setting. Um, There's a boat and there's a, in the, you know, first page of this book, there's a boat. There's uh, two people watching the boat. They obviously don't know each other. They're strangers. But there's also a bunch of other stuff going on. Like this, you know, um, the fact that they've walked a bunch. We did not see the walking. It was not on screen. (laughs) But like, I make you know that they were walking and they're tired because they're about to witness something that they've never witnessed before. And neither one of them can react quite right because they're so fucking exhausted. And so I kind of let the reader follow the exhaustion a little bit. Like one of the, there's like a, um, oh, what are those birds called? The ones that run up uh, up and down like beaches and stuff. Or like a, there's like a sandpiper or something. It's a sandpiper. Yeah, it's a sandpiper. There's a sandpiper running up and down the, the shore and they're like dealing with this very serious like encounter. But also the character's thinking about eating the sandpiper. And like, <laughs> and like, it's just like, and so I like, I'm trying to let the reader feel the exhaustion at the same time they're feeling the setting. And they're also moving forward because the characters really want to get to where they're going, but this has kind of stopped them. So I'm using it in this novel as sort of like a, this is your setting. Uh, my character wants to go over there, but they can't. And they're also really hungry. And so that sort of is pulling the reader from one spot to another and when then they get there then i will create a new problem um or i will show like their way of life or or something like that just to like ease the reader into things let them sort of take the nice bath inside of the setting with small (laughs) problems i'm not really an action writer there's a lot of people i I could never speak to this on action because it's much different if you're writing an action book Mm -hmm. everything's just happening all at once and usually you know that's like a throw it into the setting and just let it go too like like you know like shit's just happening and you just have to 
read through it. And that's also a way yeah. to do it. It's kind of the same thing. It's just mine slower, right? Mm-hmm. I think your, your genre is definitely going to affect, um, especially like the pacing of it. Like you said, whether you start off with a bang or whether you're like kind of settling in. Um, and part of that also is is your setting, which does have to do with genre. Like if you're in a second world fantasy, you kind of got to get people oriented in your fantasy and like you said you want this to be happening when sentences do are doing more than one thing you don't want to just probably in unless you've got something really like you said interesting about the setting like the ash falling from the sky or something like that um you don't want to start off with just like a long info dump about the city Mm -mm. you want to start sinking people into the setting if it's not a modern contemporary setting if it's like modern day chicago you basically can kind of just like lampshade that and be like, you know, let the reader give the reader some clues that it's it's modern day, it's contemporary, it's urban setting, go. And you don't have to like let them settle as much because they already have a preconceived notion of what the setting is. So I think your your genre is going to let affect how quickly you can get people involved in your setting and therefore the pacing of the plot, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just rambled a lot, and that that that's fine. Is hitting me, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even tell you if what you did was right or wrong because I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm there. Like it's it's a long day. You're saying okay. stuff, and I'm picking it up. <laughs> I hope people aren't just sitting here like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're okay. But They're fine. I, well, I was I was thinking about like, for example, the longest autumn. Um, the opening pages are very mundane for the character, but they're very new things for the reader mm-hmm. because they're her job, but it's not a job we are familiar with. She's essentially a ferryman for the dead, for the souls of the dead. And so it's her doing her job of finding the souls, getting them, you know, bringing them back. And you're kind of like seeing the setting with her. And so the very few opening pages, if it was her world and her life she'd be like well this is really boring this is like you know it'd be like the equivalent of us like getting up going to work logging into email or whatever Um, but because it's new to the reader i'm actually drawing you in through that setting and kind of the goals because you kind of know what she wants to achieve through her job you you get some more other things in there because it's the thing where it's like doing multiple things and i had to read it like a billion times and revise it a billion times to get there Right. And and I will say that, like, okay, so this is really interesting because, like, so the longest autumn is a really good, you know, a good um, example of when you when you pick it up in the bookstore and you read the back cover and you and I'm not going to you know give you any spoilers about the back cover. But, you know, <laughs> when you read it, and you're like, oh, this is the thing that's going to happen. And then you open the page. What's happening is you you are experiencing her job. That's about to go horribly wrong. That's true. You know it's going to go horribly wrong because you read the back cover. So you know mm-hmm. when you open that book that, okay, I am ex- I am experiencing the job as the Tierna, the protagonist, mm-hmm. is, experiences her job every day. But me, the reader, I read that back cover and I know what's about to happen, this <laughs> poor bitch. So, like, and, and then that way it's very fun, you know, like, it, yeah. it, and it sort of gives you a nice flash and yes the the way that you hook is like this is definitely not something that happens on earth this is exciting Mm -hmm. like this is you know it's fun uh to to watch the dead get you know brought in it's it's cool um but then you know you're just waiting you're waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time it's so peaceful that you're just like when's the shit gonna hit the fan (laughs) like and you raised a really interesting question which (laughs) By the way, if you want to know what happens, go to my website, averyames.com, and click on my books. There is the back of the book copy is up there already. Uh, or go to Goodreads. <laughs> Add my book on Goodreads. Um, it's up there, too. But that's interesting because you mentioned the back of the book copy and how that creates that sense of like looming dread because you know something is about to go wrong because you know what the inciting incident is. So this is all, this does all play together. Like the cover, if the cover's showing like a dragon and you open the book and there are no dragons, you're like, okay, well, a dragon's coming. It's on the cover. Um, <laughs> or if you've read the back book copy and you find out that like, you know, the main character like falls off a cliff and you're yes. like reading it and they're like running along a cliffside. You're like, oh no, 
they're going to fall off the cliff because I read it on the back. So all of this does play together. And to a certain extent, the author only has a certain amount of control over the cover and the back of the book copy. So really what you can control is the words on the page. Um, That's what you have absolute control over. Everything else will depend on your contract. (laughs) But and or if you are if you're an indie author, if you're an independent self-published author, you have complete control over all of it. So you might want to think about like how they do work together. But if you're pursuing traditional publishing, your publisher is going to have probably final say on all those things. But yeah, it is kind of like a a puzzle of many pieces. And you might be saying to yourself, yes, but I don't have a book deal yet and I don't have a back cover. Okay. Yes, you do. Your back cover Mm -hmm. is your query that you send to an agent. And I once got a, um, a very um, intriguing um, feedback uh, after a rejection on a book from a very, very good agent. Um, And it was, I, I had, you know, written the, I had written my query and I said, Oswald doesn't know about death, but he loses his, nobody in Oswald's world knows about death, but when he loses his girlfriend or whatever it was at the time, he suddenly understands that death exists. Right. And now he's taking care of his um, father who suffers from Alzheimer's and he knows that death is coming. Um, And he's the only one who sort of understands it because he's the only one in this civilization who has experienced death. And the thing about it is, is when the agent read my first couple pages, she was like, I'm not hooked because you didn't tell me you didn't show me how he experienced death for the very first time. I started with the dad with Alzheimer's and sort of mentioned it as in the future. So they absolutely do read the back cover and they Mm -hmm. absolutely do want the first page to reflect the back cover. I had, I had that experience. It wasn't, you know, I was like, shit, I got to rewrite the start of this book. I haven't done it yet. (laughs) Like that was like 90 rejections in. So like the book obviously had more than one thing wrong with it, but like it was a lesson and Make sure that the back cover and the first, you know, few pages line up because they do look for it. You know, there's a reason people start open the first pages because like they liked the cover. They picked it up. They read the back cover. They said, oh, I'm going to open this shit. And then they open it. And if it's not there, then they're going to be like, nah, nah. <laughs> 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 there's there's a similar thing with kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent about query letters but it is about query letters which is essentially your back cover copy it can literally be your back cover copy my back cover copy which i don't know if it's technically exactly what's going to print on the back of the book but it is what's on my goodreads and what's on the mcmillan page is tweaked from my query letter like it's been revised a few times but that's that's what it is so if you're writing your query which will may or may not become your back cover copy, (laughs) then make sure that, yeah, what they're reading about in the query is what they're getting when they open the first page. This is something to be wary of if you're writing multi-POV. If your main POV point of view is in the query letter, is like the third person you see in the book, you might want to rethink the query and or the structure of the book because if the... in a query, you don't have enough space for like every point of view to have the same weight. So if you start off with, you know, Jim and Jim is your character throughout the query and then they open the book and they're like, Celeste does this. And you're like, they're like, who the fuck is Celeste? Who the fuck is Celeste? Who is this person? I just read about Jim for three paragraphs. So definitely match your query letter to those first pages. And it's usually easier if you're really happy with the first pages and the structure of the book revise the query instead of the other way around but if you find that you're writing your query and you're like man i just keep wanting to write about jim i just can't get into the query i can't summarize the book with celeste then you're like maybe the book should start with jim i'm not Uh, saying cut celeste entirely (laughs) but that is something to think about i hate how many times i've had to learn that lesson like Uh two three huge books i had to learn that lesson so (laughs) and now i'm stuck rewriting them like seriously like go back to our like queries and like there's a there's an episode where we talk about i don't remember which one but we talk about following the damn query i i know that i talk about it a lot like when i'm starting to get lost in my writing Mm -hmm. might be outlining or like plotting too. our one on Mm -hmm. plotting because like i tend to now 
um, take my pitch and then extend it out when I'm outlining. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to run into the mistake again, getting involved with Jim <laughs> and my query and being super into Jim and then writing about Aura in this, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> real, yeah. real problems, man. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we're kind of coming up close on time. We did. I did kind of want to just make a side note that we did do a whole episode on making promises at the beginning of your book, which is more about stuff like tone, voice, themes. Um, but it isn't it is important to capture those in the opening pages as well. So it's worth going back and kind of listening to that for more detail on things to include in your opening pages. We did not discuss info dumps. Do we want to talk about info dumps for a minute? I hate them. <laughs> I, I do feel like short info dumps are kind of necessary, especially if you're writing speculative fiction of any kind, sci-fi, fantasy, whatever. Are we talking about like info dumps in general or info dumps on the first page? In the first, well, not necessarily first page, but like the first few pages. You kind of get it like, if you got oh, info yeah. dump, like one sentence max, and then you go to something else, and then maybe sprinkle in another sentence later. But if you stop your book to tell me about the history of the war that happened in this place 200 years ago on page two, I'm out. I have a great tip for this. Um, you can do your infodomes, but before you do one, make sure that the reader is centered in the universe of your book first. Make sure that they know what's going on, what the character desires, what, you know, like kind of have a hint of it. They don't have to know everything in super detail, but like make sure that they are involved in that fight that's going on. Make sure they are involved in, you know, the person running away or being murdered or whatever is happening. Make sure that they're involved. They know the setting. And then after they sort of get comfortable, then be like infodump. Because let me tell you what. No one likes the person who just approaches them at a Walmart and starts telling them their life story without anything else happening. No, you want to know the life story about the person at Walmart who you just helped from having their purse stolen. And then you find out like then a small little dog falls out of their purse and you're like, where the fuck did you get this dog? And why is it so sm what what do you do with it? How did you get this in the store? Like it's got two legs. How does it live? You know, like you want to. <laughs> I did see a woman carrying a cockatoo into a Walmart once, like a baby. See, that's the that's the woman you want to have address you and start telling you their life story because you're already interested in the shit that they have in their purse. Like, yeah. Okay, two quick things. Yeah. Um, the first is you were talking about the person who comes up to you in the Walmart and just starts info dumping, and you're like, mm -hmm. I don't care. There is. A thing that was going around the internet, it may or may not have been fake, but either way, it's relevant to this story, which was that it was supposed to be like CIA's guidelines for being a spy. And one of them was to like, be obnoxiously pedantic about things and like, just talk about subjects at length, because then people will stop talking to you. Because then they'll ignore you. They'll be like, oh, God, that's Jim. He's if you corner Jim, he's going to talk to you about model airplanes for three hours. Just don't just don't make eye contact. And so that was like the guide for being a spy was to be like the guy who never shuts up about like the one thing that's really boring. Mm -hmm. So don't be that guy in your opening pages. Yeah. And yeah. the second thing is the reason to the way to avoid that is kind of what you said is to settle us into the scene and everything. If we're going to have an info dump. We need to know why that info dump is important to your main character. Like, do the, are they a historian who's like an archaeologist who's at the site, who's digging and their career is on the line? They've got to make a good discovery and they're here at the site of this battle that happened 200 years ago. Well, now the battle's interesting because mm -hmm. it means something to your character. If they're just standing in a place and they're like, oh, hey, this is where that happened, blah, 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 three paragraphs. It doesn't mean anything to your character yet. And so it doesn't mean anything to the reader yet. Yep. Don't put that, okay, info that was dump my in the rant. first fucking paragraph. Don't do it. Don't, Don't do you it. do it. And yeah, I think that's why you can get away with info dumps later in the story a little more. Yeah. Because we are grounded and we know what matters. And at that point, there are some sort of stakes or something attached to knowing what happened before. Or at the very minimum, we're just interested in the setting by then. Mm -hmm. So opening pages. If you're going to info dump, barest sprinkles of info dump, like what is absolutely necessary to understand what is going on right now. Yep. Okay, I'm done. 
I'm getting off the soapbox now. Oh no! I'm you're fine. off the. I've had too much rum soapbox now and Bailey's. We. It wasn't even that bad. You're giving yourself a hard time for nothing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have anything else you wanted to touch on before no. we start our wrap up stuff? I think we did good. We did. We did good for being a very tired day. Just a quick reminder that we are taking uh, listener submissions of snippets to revise on a future episode. Please visit anditswriting.com, no spaces for details and a submission form. Remember, it's it's not it's not a serious revision. We want like kind of stuff that you're not like super uh, excited yeah. about or like sending out to anybody soon. We don't want to yeah. do we don't want to do something that's going to ruin your life. We just want to have fun. So give us it, your old high school Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. fan fiction. Oh man, I want everybody to send us Yu-Gi-Oh fan fiction and <laughs> or oh, your like yeah. vampire novel you wrote at age 12. I want your Hannibal crossover stuff so bad. Like yes. just come on, like s- send it. Let's have fun. Let's Yeah. We'll be nicer to you, but we'll have fun. Yeah, and if we get enough of the same kind of like genre, like let's say we get a bunch of fan fiction, oh, we could do a fun fan fiction episode. Yeah. Like make this happen, guys. Um, our next live stream will be on June twenty third on writing conventions and workshops, which I would like to shout out was a listener suggestion from our Discord. Um, when I asked for possible topics, so oh, thank hi. you, listeners, for that. So speaking of which, if you like what you're hearing join our discord group check out our website for more details you can find everything about the podcast at anditswriting.com look us up on spotify itunes google podcasts anywhere you listen you can also follow us on twitter and instagram i'm trying to get better about instagram um both of those are at and it's writing uh just a and d it's writing no spaces and i think that's everything anything did i get it all you got it all Yay! Okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this kind of, you know, spacey episode. And we will see you again soon. Bye. Bye.